All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios, 877-37-GRIND. All right, keeping it moving here, sticking with the football theme. So that's that's my whole thought. And When you look at those two situations, and, and again, the whole theme of both when you look at the Chris Jones situation with the Kansas City Chiefs, which I think probably will get resolved sooner or later, uh, but when you look at Diggs allegedly being upset in regards to the lack of, you know, way the offense or lack, let's just say the lack of input, those are two examples that how the especially in the NFL, I mean, I think in professional sports in general, but in the NFL, that how pretty much thin and like how the margin for error when it comes down to everybody pulling on one rope or pulling together on one rope, that's what pretty much makes it such like the, the margin for error from winning and losing. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters. Of course, you need talent to win in the NFL. But even if you have a talented roster, even if it's a situation where you've got superior talent, if you don't have everybody on the same page, and especially, I can't reiterate this more, especially when you have your best players, your best players that are getting, you know, that are not buying in or, you know, talking about the contract or whatever, feel a certain way that they're not being included. The rest of the guys on the team that are either just special teams or fill-in guys, it's hard for them to maintain the focus and the hunger to fall in line. So those are two. I think the Chris Jones thing is going to get resolved. But this Diggs thing is obviously something to monitor because to me, <laughs> you know, if I'm if I'm the coach of Buffalo and I internally knows what's going on, where we're at as a team and where we're at as an organization and with you know they just said he just broke ground on a new you know uh facility and not a facility but just broke ground and getting ready to break down on a new stadium that's going to be coming in a couple years and we've got josh allen and and i know that look josh allen ain't going nowhere like i'm gonna get, only get so much cracks at this if i'm the head coach i'm talking to my general manager if this is really a problem i'm looking at him like do we need to see what we can get for him I'm talking to Josh Allen, and I'm letting him know, like, look, man, I know this is your guy. This is your buddy. This is what you do. Uh, y'all are tight. Y'all have a relationship off the field. But what is it that we can get? We might have to move him for the sacrifice of not messing up the rest of the team. So that's what I that, that's that's just my opinion of where. So this is definitely going to be something that's going to need to be monitored going forward. And if if that were to start to rumble. Uh, we already know that there's been chatter uh, between the brothers, Trayvon and Stefan Diggs. Jerry Jones would have to pick up that phone. Again, because you'd have the opportunity to acquire a wide receiver talent. You know, Wide receivers make or break the Dallas Cowboys, it feels like. They've had more than a few iconic ones over the years. Um and there's been that sh- that mutual shared, you know, hey, we'd like to be able to play together in the NFL. And that, that's that's just that's going to rile up Cowboy fan base to really get that kind of kind of moving if this continues to boil and boil and boil up in Buffalo. 
I mean, the, the, the question with that, Jonas, I would sit there and say, and I'm pretty sure if this would ever come to the point where they've got to move digs or you start hearing rumblings, I'm pretty sure with the connection of the brother and all that, that Dallas is going to be one of those teams to get brought up. But the question is going to be, though, at what cost? Like, what are you willing to give up, you know, for at that cost? You know, what, you know, what is, you know, what are you willing to do at that cost? So, um, that's my opinion. You know, that's really my opinion. So does it fit? Yes. But I think if you're Dallas, I mean, I don't know. I I mean, it just because if I I want to step in here, too, because don't remember, this isn't the team kind of manufacturing this. This is Stefan Diggs, a guy who seems to be all fine with his quarterback. There doesn't seem to be an issue there. This is he's coming off of one year with Dorsey as offensive coordinator after Dayball went to New York. This isn't like it's a running thing to where, oh, I, you know, this has been a, a couple of years going now and this is an issue. He had a, a different coordinator in, in New York in uh, Buffalo for one year. And now we're now it's about the his fit in the offense and uh and we're we're yelling at people on the sidelines and we're leaving the game early. And we've seen the digs and digs connection, you know, all since Trayvon came into the NFL. So this, if you have a, the opportunity now for players to have their own narratives more than ever, but they don't have the kind of control that you do in the NBA to force your way out, then you go the Antonio Brown route, you go the Le'Veon Bell route, and you make it a personnel issue by making it a personal issue, and you work your way out that way. So you're saying if you're a dig, you go to Le'Veon Bell, right? I feel like he's already starting that way because he's generating the dysfunction. This is all coming from him. Right. So this seems like him starting to work his way out in the way that the NFL players are able to. And like I said, that's just going to rile out up Cowboy fan for that potential pairing because you're going to start to see that really come to come to light. Well, I think, first of all, I will give you – I will meet you somewhere halfway in regards to saying this could be seeds planted to kind of have a disruption. But I will tell you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay consistent with what I say, um, the quarterback position is usually the position that can basically have the juice to get that done. The digs, even if we get to that point, the Buffalo Bills, you know, the Buffalo Bills are not going to be looking to try to do digs any favors. So regardless if he wants to go to Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboy fans want to go there, they're going to go to the best team that gives them the best offer. And they're, they're at that time, they're not going to be in the point of the business of giving him a pretty much, you know, this is we're going to work with you to send you to the team that you want to go. That ain't how this I can tell you right now. That's not how this situation is going to go. So if he, this is where he looks like this is the way we get. So because I want to clarify that this ain't the way the NFL I put this is we've seen this is with quarterbacks, man. Quarterbacks are in the situation and there's a, and not all 32. There are a handful of quarterbacks that say that, hey, if you want to be out, if I want to be out, you got to go to move me if Lamar Jackson ever would have came to a point that he didn't want to be a rave anymore they would have had to move him a receiver in digs he, he doesn't have that like all they're going to do is let him pout and hit his ass over the head with fines and fines if he want to hold out or be disruptive which is why I mentioned the two it just so happened that their situations both happened to be in Pittsburgh and then AB carried that over to Oakland and then also again into Tampa 
by taking his jersey off and you know flipping off the crowd or whatever and running off the crowd. You know, uh, yeah, but he still didn't get his way. He was he was cut. He they didn't have to trade. He was cut from every stop, and he's exactly. pretty much a, a toxic from even being touched back in the league. Because ultimately, what they wanted was their freedom, so they could get paid. AB did get paid by going to Oakland. Le'Veon got it. He took a pay cut, but he got out ultimately to New York. So it's 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 not always the best way to get what you want, but we've seen it done. And what I'm saying is, if this continues and this continues to boil, this Boston Globe was the one with the story today. That's the reported story that's being sourced everywhere. So if if this is what's starting to boil, don't be surprised if 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 this does continue and McDermott can't get this under control. Then this, then I feel like that's where we're headed. Well, I'm going to push back on you because I don't look at Le'Veon Bell getting what he's wanted, and Antonio Brown didn't get what he wanted. He didn't want to be released from the Raiders. He didn't. He had. He yeah, had, he did. He, no, he, no. It was on uh, Hard Knocks he, that he, year. He had a spout. He yelled, with, "I'm free! I'm he, free! I'm he, free!" He held. He had a yelling spout. Said some racial slurs to their former GM, May, uh, Mike Mayock. The Gruden went in and basically stuck his neck out from again until it got disruptive. He couldn't do it and he got released. Antonio Brown, even with the Jets are walking out, that was supposedly because he was really hurt. He didn't get what he wanted. If he got what he wanted, his ass would have stayed in the league instead of basically getting an arena team a band. There's no NFL players outside of the quarterback position that has the authority that has got that this has ended well for. It hasn't. Because they will they will wait you out. They will sit there and find you, find you, or they will just cut you. And then whatever the guarantee, whatever it, it, you don't really get, you have to be, I mean, it has to be a very rare situation where you are a skilled player, whether it's a running back or wide receiver, have you to basically facilitate to where this is what I want. I want out, but I also want to go there. No. So the ones that you, the examples you brought up that, but yeah, they got out of their situations, but that's not ultimately what they got, what they wanted. It, it cost them money. And Antonio Brown, it cost him pretty much being blackballed from the league, which at that point, who wanted to mess with him? I mean, I used to try to defend Antonio Brown, but it came to a point where I couldn't defend him anymore. You know, it's sad because he, he he really was on the path of a Hall of Fame career, was going to go to the Hall of Fame. And, hell, we see them. T- you know, uh, Terrell Owens wasn't even close to being this disruptive as Antonio Brown was. And we see that just his whole persona and the way he treated quarterbacks in the media, it cost him a year. They made him see a, a set and be embarrassed for a year. Let alone in touch. So, no, Le'Veon Bell lost a lot of money when he just said, I'm going to wait and did this. And he was never the same. And Antonio Brown didn't get what he wants. This is one of those things that if Diggs really wants to go there, either he's going to have to sit there and wait it out and take a lot of fines and lose a lot of money. Or he's just going to pretty much have to get in, you know, get in line. And to me, he's in a tough situation in a tough spot. Because the reality of the situation is, is that you just signed this contract not too long ago. Like you, it's not like you're coming in your final year of a contract or you're playing your final year or whatever you're doing. You got paid. You're going to pay. You're going to get paid twenty four million dollars if you show up and do your job. And in and, and the full circle of this, the one thing that I wanted to hit home with more than anything, more than anything with him is the point that I'm saying is that too many guys, even guys that are at Stefan Diggs level at his position in NFL, too many guys scream and preach. The fact that they want to sit there and win at all costs when the truth of the matter is it isn't it, it that that's not true, because if that's the case in Stefan, you wouldn't even like you said, this is all generated by him. You wouldn't even be hearing this. 
This is a team that is second behind Kansas City in Super Bowl odds. And I ain't even looked at the odds, and I can tell you they're number two probably behind Kansas City, if not top three. They are a Super Bowl favorite. They've been knocking on the door. They've been in the AFC Championship game. They got in the divisional round. They had home field advantage last year, blew it. They lost in the divisional round. So to me, it's one of those that it, the time is now for Buffalo. The time is now for them. 877-37-GRIND. Um, also, uh, what else do we got going here? Make sure I got all the uh, football news that I wanted to get to before we get out of here with the NFL scene. Uh, we, yeah, we touched on a little bit. I brought up the alleged player. Uh, if you just tune it in uh, on the Lubbock side, if you missed this in the first hour, I did bring up when I was going down on the docket that we have an unnamed NFL player. That's the name's supposed to be dropping soon, but allegedly – has pretty much spent, or I should say lost, $8 million in gambling, okay? $8 million in gambling. And the thing I said earlier on in the show in the first hour is that if this is true, what I'm interested to see and what I'm eager to see is to see who is this. Because to me, this isn't your, this isn't your Calvin Ridley. This isn't your, uh, you know, cornerback from the Colts. This is going to, to me, this is going to be a veteran and it's going to be a premier player to be able to lose that kind of money and gambling. So I'm interested to see who this is. Now, if it's just regular sports gambling and they can't prove it was anything on the NFL, then you know what? I'm pretty sure you're going to be okay, but it's still going to bring that conversation up because I see it heating up more over the last few um weeks and days that topic about sports gambling in the nfl and in sports and how much they're walking a thin line where some of these guys that they had brought in this to the forefront has pretty much put in a situation where now it's like okay how are we going to manage this how are we going to know the guys that either they've got gambling problems or how do we also protect the integrity of the game as well so i'll be eager to see what name that is that drops 877-37 grind also, what else we got going on? Uh, moving a little bit to back to the baseball side uh, real quick. Uh, I mentioned this in the first hour as well, too. As I told you, uh, the New York Mets really did the Astros dirty yesterday. You know, Max Serger, Mad Max had a hell of a game that he got to uh, yesterday. That he pitched on the Astros. But speaking of pitchers, okay, uh, let me run this by you here real quick. All right. I came across this. All right. Otani, y'all know I've been talking about his contract. I've been talking about, you know, when he signs his contract, I believe this is the contract that is going to bring to the light of, you know, why are we getting out of control? You know, look at how much these teams are being sold for looking when how do you own a team when you have to pay a guy like this? He's combined more than two other payrolls. But when you look at Otani, Otani is first in batting average, OPP a batting average. And he's first in home runs, meaning he's first on the pitching side of his, you know, runs and stuff against and batting average against. And he's first with the bat and home runs. That has not happened since 1900 in baseball. That's 123 years that that has happened in since. Ba and I'm assuming, Jonas, I didn't even look when I came across this. I didn't look to see who it was. Um but I'm assuming they're talking about Babe Ruth. Or is this even before Babe Ruth? What time was Babe Ruth at? Because I'm thinking like, okay, if he's batting and pitcher had to be, I thought Babe was always the last one that really did this. So, hell, they, they said it's the first time that this happened, that somebody in ML has done this since 1900. 
I wasn't around, but of I, I, I don't. Of course not. No. I don't believe that the Bambino was pitching uh, in 1900 either. Because um, he retired in, what, 1939? Right around that area, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he was still playing you know, boarding school baseball in 1900. So as we approach the break, I'll dig and try to find who we, who does he surpassed. Well, I'm pretty sure we said nobody living down going to know who the hell it was anyway. And it's not like there's any footage of video that we can see uh, of that, by the way. But again, I just wanted to bring up because everybody knows I'm a big fan of Otani. I'm intrigued about what dollar amount that he's going to, uh, you know, get when it's all said and done jealous of his agent and also i'll keep saying and this just proves to me even more he should have been the mvp last year because the guy keeps doing things that we haven't seen before like i said i saw what judge did last year before you listen to the sports grind today's show is being presented by dosecki's get a dose calvin casey jonas clark producing spinning the one and twos we'll be back Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Would you like to be my sunshine? We touch my game, we gon' turn this to ice on my neck, cost me ten times three. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, is spinning the one and twos. Today's show was presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. And we have been broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Look, Texas summers can get hot. And yes, they are. Looking at 105, 103, everywhere across this region. But now they're blazing with new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang's Blazing Bloody Mary mix. That is Zing Zang, official sponsor of the sports grind. And also, keep in mind, all Always zing zang responsible. Eight seven seven three seven grind. Um, 
Okay, so did you get to find out the sign who that was in 1900 that it finally did? Because I guarantee you, I ain't gonna know who the hell this is, and most of the listeners are not either. Uh, no, my uh, my stats that I have access to do not go that f- that far back, and nobody else reported it. Not even the source that um, you know said the stat. Uh, but a fun one here, uh, Ben Fox on Twitter, and he's an uh, analyst out there. The Los Angeles uh, Angels stat leaders this season, uh, as of yesterday, all right? Runs, Otani. Hits, Otani. Home runs, Otani. Batting average, Otani. On-base percentage, Otani. RBIs, stolen bases, all Otani. Those are your offensive stats. Pitching-wise, ERA wins, strikeouts, and, of course, that batting average against uh, Otani. Uh, he is at minus four fifty to win the AL MVP. He's minus four fifty to win the minus four fifty to win AL MVP. It's got to man. Um, you know, of course, we've got a lot of baseball left to be played. I mean, we're not even close to the All Star break yet. Um, but I, you know, this is just pretty much a continuation, in my opinion, of what he really did last year. You know, and and the only question that I really have. You know, as much as a, a fandom I have for Otani, the only question I have looking at this is, and I think the only question that's really left for anybody, for everybody, is how long can he do this on both ends? Okay. Um, that's really the million-dollar question. Now, I think in general, um, it's one of these situations to where, you know, how can I put this? Um it's, it's like, look, you have, you have a situation where you have a guy that, you know, when, you, when he first came over, the Angels won the bid blindly to get the rights to get him over from Japan. And I remember early on when he first came over here and he was an angel, you know, early on the debate, well, not the debate, but the conversation was, and I think this went on with the angels and then his agents or whatever, how much of the angels were going to allow him to do what he wanted to do. And what I mean by that, were they going to allow him to pretty much play as a DH that was before they made DH uniform for both American and national league, but also they were going to allow him to pitch. Now I've always said from jump that I think Otani's importance to the angels, what has kept the main thing from Mike Trout, one of the best baseball players in the league for not being in the October and playing in the postseason, they've had horrible pitching and they've had a horrible built bullpen. Now, some of the Angels games that I've paid attention to this year, early on, they've seemed like they've got a respectable bullpen. But I believe that, you know, to me when they start negotiating this new term, or this new contract, this mega, you know, change sports history, the landscape, when they start negotiating this, this is going to be one of these situations to where it's like, look, you know, if I'm on the angel side talking to this agent, we've got to revisit that conversation that we revisited right when we came out, when he came over from Japan, where do we find his value a little bit more? And what happens if we want to start almost, I hate to use this word, but if we want to start protecting him from his own self, because I think Otani, man, I, you know, first of all, I, you know, I would imagine he's a student of the game. It doesn't matter whether he's from Japan or, he, you know, MLB, he came over. He understands the history of MLB and he understands his special talents. And I think that he's trying to set the bar, you know, for maybe people that younger that come, you know, above him. Because remember. We've seen this something. Well, I can't make that comparison, but let me tell you, really, you've seen in regards to the impact 
of a whole generation and a whole youth that Stephen Curry had on people and on the game. In regards to where you had you go to a high school basketball game on a Thursday or a Saturday, or you watch college basketball on the weekend, and you would see guys pulling up from midcourt 15, 10 feet behind the three-point line, and that was just hold these kids being burnt with Steph. So I think part of Otani, I think part of him understands is like, hey, I want to give that next kid, whether it's a kid from Japan, whether it's a kid from the States, it doesn't matter, the Dominican. He wants to give those particular young, the next generation coming up, the opportunity like, hey, you know what? Why do why can't I have both crafts on the with the arm being a pitcher and being, you know, swifty with the bat? Because honestly, in my lifetime, and I know it's it's easy to say that, but again, in my lifetime, even paying attention to baseball, I can't even I mean, Otani is like on the verge of being an all-time great hitter. And an all-great hitter. I've never seen any pitchers. I would have to think, you know, even off the top of my head, in regards to what pitchers I've seen. Uh, probably since, you know, the, I don't know, mid to late 90s, even if you want to go to the, I would even go back to the early to mid 90s to even up to this point in that era of the last 20, 30 years that has been that nice with the bat. There have been a few of them that I pretty more if I think, but nothing like this. Not a guy that's leading in home runs and, and are hitting 440, 50 feet home runs. It's just, it's crazy. What do you got? Well, a few fun stats here to answer some of these questions. Um, again, I don't have that uh, 1900, but I can tell you that Babe Ruth uh, didn't start, uh, didn't go pro till what 1914 um, with Boston at the age of 19. So again, like I said, he was, if any, if he was playing any baseball at that time, it was boarding house baseball. Uh, or boarding school baseball, um, but let's let's start here with highest batting average by pitchers. Oral Hershiser, nineteen ninety three, owns that at a three fifty six and seventy three at bats. Um, he had twenty six hits that season. Um, of course, that's a one year season. But going back to the Babe Ruth and Otani comparison, Babe Ruth did only really pitched and hit for five years. All right, as a, as a two tool player. He only did that for five years, and that really stemmed off from the uh, what 1916 until about 1921, and then you know then he becomes the home run king that we know him as. Otani is doing this simultaneously, and this is his third season doing so. He's won an MVP one year, came up runner up the second year, and now it looks like he's he's to repeat, or well, not repeat, but claim his title no he should and I, and I honestly once i dive in a little bit more of the mlb season i can probably start looking to see really realistically uh who is his competitor um in the american league when we talk about mvp uh testing from mvp i would have to get more involved now we know automatically judge is off to a little slow start he's dealing with injury he's not he's on the dl he hasn't even played since bumping his toe um uh, you know in the outfield at dodger stadium so we know he's been out early dealing with injury injury uh but you know we'll just see we'll see how it plays but he, he's just definitely special and, and where where are the angels at matter of fact i'll let you get an opportunity to pull up the standings because i know i have it there if there one if there's a few teams i really have paid attention to uh early on the season while we're winding down the nhl hockey season and you know the nba season it's probably been the angels i've watched them quite a bit and that's the reason why this bullpen 
looks competent. It looks like they finally got a few guys that can eat up some innings and close games basically when they have leads. But what do you have? Well, aided by Otani's player of the week performance last year, the Angels have passed the Astros. Um, they're seven and the Angels are seven and three in their last ten. The Astros are three and seven in their last ten. Um, the Angels are five games back of the Rangers in the AL West. And they're how many games back? Uh, five games back. Five games of back. The, of the lead in the division, yeah. And who's sitting at the top of that moment, Tom? Uh, Texas Rangers. You know, the Rangers, um, this is the deal. Uh, the Rangers are, they, they've kind of stubbed their toe a little bit. Um, over the last few games, over the last week, speaking of the Angels, I mean, the Angels just went into the Texans and Arlington up there and took um, just a week ago or so, took like three out of four. They had a four-game stand. They took that and look at Atani's numbers in that series. So um, I would think that they will probably be competitive and try to stay in arm's length. They, they're going to be miss, They're going to be playing a lot with each other over the next month or so. They play a lot this season, head-to-head, speaking of the Angels uh, and the Rangers. 877 Three seven grind. Um, also, what else we got going on here? I think that was pretty much my points from the baseball uh, side of things. Um, also, did I get all the NFL and everything? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Oh, what we didn't touch on, which I brought it up in the beginning of the docket, but kind of ran by it. Uh, going back to the NFL, uh, Jack Jones, uh, the Patriots cornerback. Um, I think that's the name, Jack Jones. Um, he went through Boston Airport over the weekend, I think Friday or something like that, and got arrested for firearms, for trying to bring firearms to the airport. Um, I think he's already made bail. Um, you know, what's crazy about this, because, of course, the Internet, that generation, they'll go pull receipts, they'll go pull tweets and everything like that. And somebody pulled a tweet on him just not too long ago, a week or two ago. He tweeted about the John Morant situation. Say, Ja, you must got to be an idiot. You messing up the bag. You got, you're trying to be too much of the street and those friends around you, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It was kind of along the lines of the tweet. And somebody went and found it and said, oh, yeah, right, Mr. Jones? Well, why are you trying to tote firearms going through the airport? And, and you know, this stuff happens, be honest with you, crazy. I mean, this stuff happens more than what you probably think in regards to it seems like it to me because it seems like every, I don't know, couple months I'm hearing about an athlete or an entertainer or somebody trying to, you know, basically bring firearms into an airport. Don't forget and, you're strapped. But no, but I well, what they forgetting <laughs> you about? Walk in the building. <laughs> are they forgetting about the fact, like what the TSA go away somehow? I mean, like, dude, we it's been a different feeling at the airport. I'm not even a guy that likes to fly too much, and only done it a handful of times in my life. But I've been to enough airports to let you know it's a different feel since 9/11. Like, what are y'all talking about? And and to me, and, and to me, I can't give guys like, well, hey man, I just you know I was in a rush and it's in this bag of gold. Like, no, you're just that ignorant and that dumb to really think that you're going to pass firearms across security check to get on an airplane. I can't buy the whole like, well, I forgot it was here. But anyway, I thought this particular situation with Jones was interesting because he just came out a week or two trying to chastise and educate uh, Job Morant. And here you go a week or two later in regards to getting busted for the same thing. Now, he made bail already, right? He's already out on bail. Yeah, he posted a $30,000 bail, um, but from NFL.com, he is due back in court on August 18th for a probable cause hearing, um, and that stems from the fact that 
the charges that he could be fa- you know was was charged with sorry uh, was two counts each of possession of a concealed weapon in a secure area of an airport possession of ammunition without a firearm ID card unlawful possession of a firearm carrying a loaded firearm and possession of a large capacity feeding device a large capacity feeding uh, it sounds to me like a uh, large magazines okay so like an extended mag and what was rather his, than a standard what, what was his bond what was he at a uh, $30,000 bail yeah that's not now, that, that light for that type of even offense like that yeah that could again become more serious determines on what they're the prosecution's looking for in this probable cause hearing as to why you would be again and did i miss something like that because it's that he didn't he didn't put this in the luggage underneath the plane this was in his carry-on bag so this, has he yeah. really has he had anywhere what this how this happened what is i'm pretty sure he's going to the card of like i didn't know it was in there this is a mistake because how Not in that the hell I've seen. i mean how do you even the just team says they're aware but we don't have a release as far as again what i'm seeing and again, I, I don't know exactly what the depth situation is at the cornerback situation with New England, because uh, the reason why I say that this is normally situations that um, this is normally situations under Bill Belichick happening on Bill Belichick's watch. Depending on the player and the situation, you're usually going to get cut or waived because of this. Just because it's a major distraction of the team. And really, nine times out of ten with Bill, it doesn't really matter, you know, where you are on the depth chart because this is the same guy over the course of the last 20 years plus years. We I've seen cut lawyer Malloy coming off of the Super Bowl right a night before week one of the kickoff of the season. Uh we've seen probably one of the biggest plays ever uh that we saw in Super Bowl history and Malcolm Butler. Uh he turned the cheek the other way after Malcolm Butler could have been named MVP. Um, but you know, he pretty much jerked him around, said, oh, well, I don't think you're worth that much. You can go play with Tennessee and see if I hear from you. And then he worked his way back to New England. So my point is Bill is usually, you know, depending on what their depth chart is, he's usually a guy that doesn't mess around with stuff like this, especially if it's kind of a distraction. But again, it just goes by to, you know, nothing really amazes me um, in society anymore, especially with sports or what these guys are getting. And look, no one's perfect. I'm not perfect either. You know, y'all could look up in the local newspaper, local news and find Calvin's done this and this and be like, hey, man, it happened. I'm not trying to be a saint like I'm perfect. But damn, I ain't going to try to tote no toast through the airport, you know. I, the times I do travel, I'm nervous just to see if I've got the right ounce level and some damn baby oil, some baby part of thing. Like, I don't want to be embarrassed to be like, hey, what do you got in your bag? And next thing you know, things get – and these guys got actually toast they pop, they, they, they toting around. So we'll monitor that and see how that goes along with, with Mr. Jones and see if he's able to uh, – because really I think in his tenure or his future with New England is just going to real – it's going to come down to how quickly does he get this off the court – I mean off the field situation resolved now. Because if this is something – now he's put his – Self in a situation of federal charges, and you're dealing with security and all that. So, if they want to, this can escalate. Now, the only thing I will say before we move on to this, the only looking, I guess, at the glass half full instead of half empty, happened in the Boston airport. Might catch a break and getting caught up down there, Patriots. You know, hey, it happened in Boston. Okay, man. All right. You know, we might look like, but you have put yourself. In the situation, in the system. 
3-7 grind. Also, uh, what else did I want to get to? Um, other than that, man, I think that we've uh, covered most of the most part of everything that I wanted to uh, get to. Uh, we've got the draft coming up in a couple days. Uh, so Thursday, we'll kind of probably spend more time on Thursday, day of the draft. Uh, just paying attention if there's any daytime or day trades, pre-draft trades. Uh, you know, in the first hour, if you just tuned it in, Jonas said, let me ask me if I set the total at over under on how many drafts or trades I should say in the top 15 of the NBA draft Thursday and I set it at three and I'm going to take the under on three I'm going to take the over you're going to take the over so yeah. you're buying you buying the hype once again huh yeah it's uh, one of those classes where again it just seems like they're you got the Thompson twins up there uh it's just so much um it's congealed the, the there's the the there's Wemby there's Brandon Miller and Scoot and then it just feels like there's everybody else. And I, I get that that's every year. Um, but with few, more teams now having moved, like, like go to the Phoenix trade, and they moved a, a whole bunch of second-round picks because they already traded all their first-round picks to get KD. So this is the time where some teams have to capitalize. Speaking, when you talk about speaking of classes, I know over the three-day weekend, I know, what was that? I think it was Sunday morning. I woke up a little bit earlier. I ended up getting caught on NBA TV looking at the 1996 draft and draft. And I've had this discussion on these airwaves with this particular show before over the course of the last 20 years, but it just refreshes because I'm getting older. I get a bad memory, but that 96 draft. Um, yeah. You know, of course people talk about Jordan's draft. He came out that 96 draft. I think they broke it down. It's like 40 some, or 50 some all-star appearances. There's like a plethora of titles. There's like eight MVP. That 96 draft is impressive. They, it was like an hour and a half, two hour special on that. But we'll get into some draft talk on Thursday. And maybe by Wednesday, somebody here says, yeah, we are drafting. We still haven't heard confirmation. All right, man, that is a wrap for today, this Tuesday edition. Special thanks to the producer of the show, Jonas Clark, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in Lubbock, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shaw City, people down in the whole 305 South Florida region. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you hit the snooze button before you roll out the rack, just ask yourself. You grind in peace. See you tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, 
Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you. Cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here.